All right, guys, welcome back to Nebraska Hawks Nest. I am joined today by Iowa Hawkeye basketball legend, whether he likes to admit it or not, Greg Bruner. How's it going, man? Not not too bad, not too bad. The legend in my name kind of fell off a while ago, so I'm I'm a, I'm an afterthought. I'm getting old. I'm almost five years out, or five full full groups out now. So that's crazy to think about. Hasn't anyone ever told you legends never die? Come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, guys. I guess I guess that is true. I was the one balding at twenty one, so it's one of those things. The, the two things I'm known for is being bald at twenty twenty one, and that uh, the <laughs> continuous fight on the internet of actually how tall I am. So. Hey man, I saw Tim Dwight run in high school. He was 18 and already bald, completely <laughs> receding. It just happens when it happens, and you know you just got to roll with it. At least you got a decent shaped head. Like I yeah. got a fat noggin, so if I was to lose my hair, I was I'd be in a bad way. So uh, you're sitting okay. And guys, just wanted to say, give us a like and subscribe to the channel uh, while you think about it, so we can get um, you get alerts on all the Hawkeye interviews that we're doing. Uh, Greg. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we always like to start out in the beginning. Uh, tell us um, as much as you can about your recruiting process out of high school. Uh, what schools were you really looking hard at? Was Iowa pretty much like, hey, this is where I'm going right away. I'm a Hawkeye. Or, you know, did you give some other schools some consideration? Yeah, um, I, I was I was kind of weird. So, honestly, if you, if, you, if you take the path about, like, for me, I went to Future Stars camp at, as a freshman going into my freshman year, and I was maybe 6'4", um, 180 pounds, and couldn't even step on the floor, right? I got abused. It was uh, it was one of those embarrassing things. And then I graduated 6'7", 260. Um, so that's a that's a big turnaround in high school, right? And mm-hmm. and part of that process was just it was a maturity aspect of it. So then I slowly started to progress. Had a really good um, uh, kind of uh, freshman year, uh, played freshman AAU, and then started playing with Martin Brothers and started getting out in front of uh, a lot of people. And my sophomore year is when it really started to pick up. I played at UNI. Uh, I think Creighton was there as a high school team camp, and UNI had no idea who I was, and I lived 35 minutes away, right? Mm-hmm. And after that, that team camp, I got an offer um, right there. And then wow. like, like Creighton, uh, Drake, some some of the mid uh, Missouri Valley conferences. Immediately there was offers on the table. Um, about going into my sophomore year, I played at that Future Stars camp again and played really well. And then middle of my sophomore year, I had an offer from Wisconsin, um, and that was a Brad Soderberg offer. Um, and he was a mover blocker system, and I just. And I didn't really know much about Wisconsin basketball. It wasn't like a dream place. It wasn't who I watched. I mean, I obviously I watched the Big Ten, but I didn't really watch them outside of that. Um, and it was one of those things I always wanted to be a Hawkeye. Iowa State was starting to come in, and Iowa really wasn't that interested. Um, continued to progress going into my junior year and, and had a really, really big junior summer. Um, went and kind of ran up the charts from like a top 200 player to a top 50 player. And then Iowa came on board, and that's really uh, that that process. So Iowa was a big one. I always wish I would have taken like a visit to Arizona, Hawaii, or all the other fun places, and no, and still knowing that I was going to go to Iowa. But the culture, the the it was an easy pick for me. I mean, being from the Midwest, being from Iowa, it was it was a no brainer. So, tell us about your relationship with Coach Alford. Uh, what what was it about him and his recruiting style that got you to come to Iowa? And do you do you keep in touch with him much anymore? I haven't talked to him for a long time, um, and that's just uh, we all live different lives, right? I've got young kids and, and all over the place, so that's that's more of it. Once I started playing basketball overseas, it, it was it, he's he had his thing, I had my thing, and 
So we've kind of fallen off. Um, I know Adam and Jeff maybe keep, keep in contact with him a little bit more than I do. Um, and then for, for Coach Alford, I had uh, the, one of the big things I, I, I liked about him is, is I'm, I'm very, very intrinsically motivated. Um, I, I don't, uh, it, it's you, people, I, I love the external stuff. I love when people tell me no, but like I want to do things for myself. And he, and he, he understood that he, uh, he knew how to drive that for me. Um, so, and I wasn't heavily recruited and he used that against me. He was the one that was just basically like, listen, every, I'm going to offer you a scholarship and everybody's going to crucify me for it and say like, this is the biggest waste of scholarship ever. And, and that's what they, exactly what they did. And, and I love that stuff. That's, I still have comments that were pinned up in, um, in, in, a, in my locker from fans saying like, he will never play like a Keegan Murray situation. Like he's a wasted scholarship. Like you've never seen what a kid can do until they get yeah. on the court. Right. And and I love it. And I and and people are asking like, well, the Murray brother, other Murray brother, must be no good. And I'm like, no, just give him time, let him have an opportunity to come out and shine. And so uh, Alfred was just really good in that motivation. Um, very very good at player development. Um, and and that's what I needed. Uh, it was an opportunity, and uh, it, it was it was a perfect fit for me. Tell uh, tell us what you think about the current state of Iowa basketball. You brought up Keegan Murray and. I don't know that anybody saw that coming. That kid can play I, as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a, a freshman that's come in that, that's been that athletic and just it's a, been a seamless transition for him. Um, what, what are, what's been your thoughts on this team, the way they played this year? And how far do you think, uh, if you had to guess, how far do you think they'll go in the tournament? Yeah, I, I hate that because uh, – <laughs> Well, uh, I would I would have guessed somebody else would have gone a lot further than they did too. You know, the tournament's very different, right? You can catch a team that's on fire, and it it just makes it extremely hard. Um, but they have the talent. Uh, defense is obviously one of the the things that they struggle with, and and it's not so much defensively. It's when teams can pass and move and cut extremely well. That's where they run into some issues. And like if you think back to the Gonzaga game, if you think back to the Indiana, Indiana distributes the ball really well, right? They catch you on an angle, they 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 can they can make you in closeout situations, and that's something that do that they they do a great job of. And they're starting to shore up some of those deficiencies. I, I'm seeing them close out short, um, but then if you get a team that's hot, it's going to run into an issue. So they have they have the, the ability on the defensive end to be to go deep into this. Um, uh, losing Nunji hurts. Uh, I will say that um, it's going to uh, put a lot more pressure on Garza. Um, uh, he just he can't get in foul trouble, um, and you see that on the defensive end how he plays. He's oftentimes just straight up, and he I mean he doesn't he doesn't reach, he doesn't go for block shots anymore. It's just really just position defense because he he, can't, he has to avoid fouls. Yeah. Um, offensively, there's I mean I can't think of a, a more potent team. I mean Gonzaga is one obviously, but Gonzaga and Baylor are the two teams that they, like those three are the ones that can go. Um, and they can outshoot anybody. And if they get going, they're going to be they're going to be a team that if they get on a run with shooting the ball, they can go deep into the tournament. Um, right, so right really I, predicated on that offense. Okay, well, right, right. When I was thinking, I was getting everything figured out with the Big Ten. Then Illinois goes and thumps Michigan by a buttload the other night. Did you watch that game at all? Uh, we had we had base we had baseball practice, but I was able to catch the end of it. And yeah, it's. Um, and that's this this the story of the Big Ten, right? I mean, if you mm-hmm. and, and it's really about what like who's there that night, who's shooting well, and 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 if you're going, I mean, offensively, this 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 conference is probably the best I've ever seen. Usually, it's a very you know smash mouth type defensive nature con- conference, and this year it's let's get up and go, and that's across the board. So they got a lot of guys that can scoot and a lot of guys that can go. So it's interesting. It's fun to watch. 
Yeah, they are a lot of fun to watch. Um, and it seems like they're getting hot right at the right time. So hopefully things and can that's continue. that's without their best player. So um, yeah. that's that's what's really – that's that shows a contender right there. You take away Garza from our team, I, I think we have a different dynamic. We can win games, but going into the number two in the nation and, and, and – and doing what they did, I don't think we, I don't think Iowa could do that without Garza. Yeah, a lot of the experts I'm starting to hear, you know, it was kind of like this at the beginning of the year, thinking that I was going to make a major run in the tournament because, you know, the the teams that are not Big Ten teams aren't going to know how to defend him, yep. um, and they're going to have a really difficult time. So I guess we can on, just wait and see. I was kind of taking some notes here for my bracket and to, just to see what you thought. So. Um, I know we we mentioned real quick too. Um, you said something about upsets, so of course we're going to talk about 06, and, and that was such a great team. Uh, we it was the big three with you and Haleska and Horner um, coming in off that conference championship uh, run, and don't think there was many hotter teams in the tournament. And we talked to Adam Haleska about this, and. You know, a lot of people didn't realize that Northwestern State team was senior heavy. They were a good team. Um, it wasn't a team that would should have been playing a two seed. At, no, like, I think they, right. absolutely yeah. not. They were way better than that. Um, walk us through a little bit of that game um, and, you know, what the feeling was. Because I remember <laughs> the, one of my major, obviously, than the heartbreaking shot was, I don't know that, and I said this to Adam too, that I've ever seen anyone play as hard in a game as I watched you play in that game. You were just the consistency from you throughout the game, busting your butt, continually getting buckets throughout the game. You just kept keeping the game close. Walk us through um, as much as you can about that game. Yeah, uh, honestly, um, uh, NCAA tournament, I averaged like one point, uh, one rebound in the first half. Um, I it was weird. I, I couldn't get the ball. I couldn't get in scoring angles. I, I mean, it was just completely out of the flow of the game um, and, and both against Cincinnati and against uh, uh, Northwestern state. And then the second half I averaged like 20 and 12. It was just uh, a situation where I kind of forced my hand. I had to get more involved. I mean, we were up. Um, I, I, plus, trust me, I would have rather gone zero and zero and won that game and gone to the next round. You uh, didn't know the Cincinnati game was because Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees was in the stands. You were yeah, focused exactly. out there. That's, that's, the only, that's the only reason. And no, the Northwestern State game, um, it, it was a it was a really weird game. Uh, we we came out hot and then they, they brought it back. Then we got out ahead again and then they got it back closer within halftime. So we knew that that's what they do. That's what they were known for. I mean, it's hard because you don't get a scout much. They had a big body, very athletic. They they kind of bounced between zone and man, and um, and they what they do is they had they had a couple guys that spread us out, right? And one of the big issues was is we had a we had an argument um, before the game between Tony Freeman and Eric Hansen, and then there was a little bit of a scuffle, and and something happened, and Eric was just completely out of the game mentally. Um, he got in foul trouble early, everything. I don't know if he just got shook up or what, he, but he, he kind of struggled that game in a way. And he was so, so imperative to our style of play. Because, I mean, if you have a 6'11 shot blocker that just moves everything, it was just yeah. – he, he was awesome. And and having him kind of go out, and then it was like I had to move to the five, and then they went to a really small lineup. Um, so then we got the game up to 16, and that's when they dropped to that small lineup. And Coach Alford took myself, Horner, and Haluska out and – we're used, we were used to pulling the – I mean, we were the Clydesdales pulling the cart, right? So we were used to playing 35, 36 a game. But I understand in that dynamic, you're thinking like, all right, you got a 16-point lead. You should be good to go. Let's bring these guys in. And they, they just got to hold and maintain. 
we get back in and it's eight and we're like we're just staring at a buzzsaw and they've got the heat all the momentum has shifted and we were able to kind of play that off and we were able to keep it at three or four for an extended period and then uh, i think it was a tie game um and i had the ball with about 14 seconds left made a good move i had an and one right before it made a good move got the foul um made the first free throw um made the hard free throw and then the second free throw we they called a timeout i remember just sitting there i'm like all right you've done this your entire life not an issue and go in and uh immediately i just i right when i shot i'm like shit i pulled that right and i knew it and stepped up and, and it hit and uh so i like I, I couldn't get to it so i remember yelling get back get back get back get back and seeing everything and Doug was lost in the transition. I'm, I'm seeing this whole play as it goes. It's crazy in my mind. Doug was lost on that uh, on that uh, short corner on the, the right side. I'm screaming, pick up, pick up, pick up. So then I run and jump to him. We will both overextend. He takes a dribble and shoots, misses. Ball bounce from the left wing, ball bounce, or right wing, ball bounce into the left corner. And then I just, I have the vantage point under the basket. I just watch it straight up, straight down. And I'm just like, holy shit, it's in. And I nothing but net. And... Then I made a pass to um, Haluska, uh, a full court pass, and he, I mean, that was a quarter an inch, and he makes that basket, and it was good. Yeah. Um, and that quarter inch, like, I, that is where I wish, like, oh, that one, that, we deserved that one. We deserved that one to go back in for us. It was just what we did, how much we prepped, we deserved to go out better than what we did on that on that year. So yeah, that was a hell of Sorry, a team. I have like a weird memory with games. I can like walk <laughs> walk through like still a lot of the like big games and like kind of just see everything as it develops too. So my wife, it drives her absolutely crazy when we're watching. <laughs> stuff. No, that's great. That's great for us when we're asking you questions about it. And yeah. I told Adam this too. I said I went out. I went without a cell phone for about two weeks after that because I I was back in the flip phone flip phone days and I smashed it up against the wall after that. And yeah. I was like, I need to go off the grid for a little bit. So I mean, it, it was it, it was a tough um, a tough loss. As you know, you were there, but it was yeah. tough yeah. for all of us. Um, but you bounce back from it, you know, you move on and it still was a great team and, you know, had a really great season. So um, it was, it was still really fun watching you guys go on that run of the big 10 tournament. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is like, I mean, it's a free throw, right? I made two free throws that put us in the quarterfinal of uh, of the uh, Italian playoffs, everything, right. That's, that's life. You miss a shot and uh, it's, it still haunts me because it's always been like the, what if Um, I wish I had the uh, the ability to kind of, circle back time and see what would have happened, uh, where we would have gone, how far, right? Because we, we would have matched up. I think next was um, West Virginia, and that would have been a fun game. Pitt Snoggle, they had a really yeah. good team. PNZ, that whole um, – Hair Bear, that whole team would have been fun to play against. When you guys played against them, I don't know if it was that season or the year before in Kansas City at the Guardians Classic. Didn't you guys match up against was it West Virginia or Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky. played Rondo in Kentucky. Yeah, I was yeah, at that Rondo game. Rondo in Texas. Yep, we had Kentucky in them. Okay, that's right. Okay, and then you guys, uh, you guys beat Rondo and Kentucky in that game, if I remember right. Right. Yep. They didn't have Chuck Hayes, and they were supposed to be a top four team. Yeah, we ended up upsetting them there, and that was uh, kind of that cemented us as a pretty good basketball team. And they ended up not having a great year, if I remember right, that year. But and then we yeah. ran into Texas, and um, where Texas was just phenomenal with Mo Marcus Aldridge and that team, and. Uh, uh, we had beat them in the year before in Maui, and they were not going to let us win that one again. So you want to no, talk about yeah, that was right, my junior year. Yeah, you want to talk about harassment? 
talk about me getting tickets from a scalper and getting put right in the middle of the Kentucky season ticket holder section <laughs> and all of the 65 year old plus women yelling and yelling at you, 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 you stink, Bruno. They kept calling yeah. me Bruno, Bruno, you stink. And then every time I would cheer and go crazy, like they'd look back at me and they'd be like, Oh, he's awful. He's awful. <laughs> those, those old women were nasty during yeah. that game. They wanted to kill me. Was Ashley Judd there at that time, or maybe she only went to the NCAA tournament? So I don't know. She wasn't sitting by me, but when they brought the Kentucky players in, they sat right off to the side, and I was actually sitting right next to Rondo, um, and that was right before he really started to blow up and become a yeah. big name. So he, uh, I didn't really know that I was sitting next to a you know a future a future you know NBA first round pick at that point. Yeah, fun story about Ashley Judd is um, we were in. Czech Republic, I was playing at the Swiss national team and she was doing a film over there or a TV show. And we're in this tiny hotel in the, in the country, everything that, like, cause we had to stay an extended period. So they put us out there and I'm sitting down in the lobby and she walks by. And I'm like, Holy shit, that's Ashley Judd. And so we start talking and everything. And um, like uh, there was another American player that was on the Swiss national team too. That was just lived in Switzerland since he was a kid and uh, started talking to her. And she's like, Oh, so where are you from? I'm like, Iowa. And she's like, Oh, I'm a huge Kentucky fan, and and this is probably, oh, man, 2000, 2010 or 11. She's like, I'm a huge Kentucky fan, and they, I think they're having a good year. I'm like, yeah, we played Kentucky once. She's like, did you guys win? I'm like, yep, we did. And I talked to her about her in the NCAA tournament, and she said something like, Iowa, Iowa. There was a big bald guy I hated there. And I'm like, yeah, that was probably me. And yeah, so it was. Uh, we had a good conversation around that. But, yeah, Ashley Judd was a big staple for them, I guess. I asked uh, Haleska about this when you guys went to Ames and one of the, the first time he went back after he transferred and they were just letting you guys have it, oh. like yelling at you guys. And you were getting the Rogaine chance there. How was that something that like fueled you and pissed you off? Or was that something that you just zone out and weren't even like paying attention to? I, that stuff doesn't bother me. Like uh, I, uh, my wife's always like, I mean, we haven't married how many years? And she's like, I say anything to you and it really doesn't bother you. I'm like, I've been yelled at my entire life by every coach and every fan, opposing fan. Um, there was one, gosh, was it one fan there? And he kept yelling, Prozac, Prozac, Prozac. And I finally look at him, I go, are you an idiot? Like, that's not even the right, like, Prozac, because it was, it was, it was, was Prozac the antidepressant? I think so. I can't like, remember for sure. For hair, right? Propecia is yeah. for hair. Yeah. Like I'm like, I think you're telling me that I'm, am I depressed? Or are you trying to make fun of me because <laughs> I hair? And he looks at me and he's like, you're right. He, and he kind of just walks away and all of his buddies start making fun of him. And I, <laughs> I, I don't, that stuff doesn't mind. The best one I had was at Michigan and I can't, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this one. So I'll, yeah, I'll, you can say whatever you want. Okay. Um, I was starting to check in as a freshman and I, and I, and Sean signed a letter was on the court and I look, I don't look, I'm watching the game cause we're in the game and I, and, and playing on that court growing up, watching the fab four, all that stuff. Like I, that was my first time ever getting to play on it. It was like, like heart beating. I'm going out for the first time. I'm like, uh, 44 for 53. What? 44 for 53. What? Cause their students are right behind this, right? Like okay. their students are right behind the bench. And I finally, I go 44 for 53. And their fan points me right directly in the face. The kid, he goes, ah, I got you, you fucker. And, and everybody, on the, like the whole, the whole, uh, the scores table, they all start busting out laughing I look and I, I I turn bright red. I start laughing and Alfred's screaming at me. He's like, "Are you ready to go in the game?" I'm like, 
I can't tell you this story right now because I yeah it, it was it was one of those ones where I uh, I, I I I found it comical um, and wow. so some of them are pretty creative. What a so, shithead! I would not yeah. expect something like that to happen yeah. when you're oh, getting ready to it, check in a game. It, it happens. It happened all the time. So that was one of my funny stories around that. Oh, that's a good one though. I never would have guessed that happened. Uh, something that, that we wanted to talk to you about too. Not not funny at all. Um, the the effect the effects of what happened with Pierre Pierce um, and the basketball program while you were there. Um, can you kind of walk us through um, how difficult that was? for um, you guys as teammates to take a lot of the brunt of that and uh, have to really step up and um, rebuild the reputation of the Iowa basketball program and heal that relationship with the women's basketball team. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm going to say this, like there's nothing that we did on our team that ever comes close to like what the, the women's program had to go through. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to always say that first, um, they had a lot more that they had to deal with than us. Like we had a reputation that was tarnished, right? They had emotional, like there's a lot of things that happened within that program. Right. So I, uh, that kudos to them. Um, I, uh, have a great relationship with coach Bluter, everything. Um, um, and I just, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about this, but the, 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 the focus is, is really on, on what happened over there and how they were overcame that. Right. And, so from like our end, it was um, it was it, 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 it was tough, right? Um, I was friends with all the girls, um, the ladies, excuse me. Um, I was very close with Coach Bluter, still I am right now, right? And it just like their locker room was right across the hall, and it there was a, a clear delineation, right? Um, and not having and not being able to uh, be part of that, and 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 knowing that uh, we are segregated because of this situation uh, was hard, right? Because um, I, I have a mother, I have a, 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 a sister, I have a daughter now. It, it, it was just, it, and, it, and it was very uh, unique situation to kind of have to tiptoe in a way. Um, and coming into that as a freshman and having that distraction and then having some of the other stuff that happened in which I wanted to come in and redshirt, uh, learn and, and grow um, as a player. And it's like, you're going to start at the three just because of um, some idiotic choices that were made across the team. Um, and it, it, it it's it it was uh, eye opening in a way, right? It was um, immediately kind of oh, what what do I what did I step into, right? And um, so that and then kind of rebuilt that that situation uh, was able to slowly once we got control, like our junior and senior year, we were able to 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 repair some of those relationships with the women's program. Um, and trying to get the focus off of what that was and onto what we're trying to build. Um, and that was really the main energy. And I mean, the, the advantage that we had that helped with that is that we had the majority of the kids were Iowa kids on our team. Um, I think at, on the team at one time, we had nine, nine kids from Iowa. And that's that that just showed that like, that's the wholesome Iowa attack that we, we had. That's what our focus was. Um, but still, it's uh, my time there. Um, it's always going to have a blemish of that, um, and and I, I worked my my tail off from I don't know how old fifth grade. I di I dedicated my life to go play collegiate basketball and, and beyond. I, I didn't think about pros. I wanted to play college basketball. That's what I always said. And to have that as like it's one of the two things that are, are always brought up right um, to me. It's Northwestern State or the Pierre Pierce Sagas, um, and. Not like, hey, you took a bunch of Iowa kids. You got, you should have got first in the Big Ten, and you let you had a 
let two stupid games go at the end of the season, got second, and you win a Big Ten championship. And um, it's those two things are not most things that we're known for, and that 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 sucks um, because uh, we did do a lot with uh, the the talent that we had and 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 building that um, that that program back up from where it was. I can, I can definitely tell you from a, pan, a fan perspective and talking to other other Iowa fans that that's not necessarily fully what you know what you guys are known for. It, it's mm-hmm. definitely a blemish. It's not something that um, you guys the rest of you guys are lumped in with. Yeah. Um, it's something that you know a lot of teams have players that kind of go rogue and do something like that. But you guys are really known for your hot run through you know the Big Ten tournament and you know that the Big Three like we talked about that you yeah. guys had and the success that you had and then you know the heartbreaking. A loss in the NCAA tournament, but I think I speak for you know 99% of Hawkeye fans when we look back and we talk about Greg Bruner, Adam Haleska, and Jeff Horner. It, it's all positive. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, and that's what I mean. The, the focal point is is that the reason I love those two so much is that it was never one of us. Um, it was the team, and that's what we we wanted. We pushed those guys as hard as we could. We pushed each other as hard as we could um, to be successful and. The talent that we had, it, it was there, um, and and that was the focal point. Is like how much can we, how much can we own? I mean, I once we got control of that leadership from like our junior year on, it was it, our focus was taking it from where it was as a program um, with a little bit less uh, rigor, I would say, and, and and reorganizing how we come come together. So, and Adam was a huge part of that. Jeff was a huge part of that, and I mean, honestly, the whole team was. Is it was a huge uh, shift in how we think about what we need to do. We're not there. We don't like to be basketball players. We were basketball players. Um, a lot of people, you can tell that they like the the thought of being a basketball player and getting the accolades and going out and having all the girls chase after them and all that stuff. But we were there to, I mean, we would fight each other in practice. Um, that's how bad we wanted to win. So, yeah. Well, you brought up a really interesting point too about um, all of the guys that were from Iowa on the team. And that's something I wanted to ask you about. Um, the Kind of the two of the distinct differences that have really evolved over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years between Iowa State and Iowa is Iowa really focuses on getting that in-state talent. Iowa high school basketball is strong. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Iowa State University has really, you know, focused their attention on JUCOs, transfers, and, you know, out-of-state talent. Um, from your perspective, um, why why would you think? And I'm not expecting a magic answer or anything like that. But just from your opinion, what, why do you think things panned out like that? Um, I mean, even look at Drake and you and I. I mean, look what they're doing with the Iowa kids. There is a there is some like surrounding states, everything. But I mean, if you collectively look at what they're pulling in, it's the Midwest, and they're doing a phenomenal job, right, with that too, right? Um, I, I don't know because. I, I would say that trend started even before. Um, like, I think they had Holman there. Um, they didn't have a lot of players. For, I mean, Stinson still lives in Iowa, um, and, and his son is – I've heard really a lot of good things about his son too. Um, and if he's any of a, anything like a pit bull of his, of his dad, he's gonna be, it's going to be interesting to see how he t- pans out. But, like, Holman and uh, – I'm trying to think of any other – I mean, Iowa kids that were there, when I, even when I played. So it's always kind of been that um, – that I guess outward look um, and try to pull in. I know when you Stacey was there, uh, a lot of the Iowa kids that yeah. that played weren't didn't want to play that style, right? It was yeah. uh, I think Kaluska said they never practiced offense. All they did is run and play defense. Um, 
and and just throw the ball at the basket because they were going to out rebound and out beat the they're going to beat the crap out of everybody, right? And that's 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 fun and everything, and that was just always his style. But I mean, um, that's not that's not normal. All the Iowa kids want to do that, right? Um, so I don't I don't have a magic bullet. I know Jake Sullivan's taking a beating right now because he's asking that question too. Um, and I would like to see more kids at from Iowa at Iowa State. I, I don't want us to see uh, the uh, the the kid that went to Marquette. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, from the Jeez, what is this? Uh, the old point guard. I can't remember his name either. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I would like to like to eliminate eliminate as much leakage out of this state as we possibly can because I, I as I've gotten older, I'm I, obviously I'm a diehard Hawkeye, but I want the state of Iowa to be represented well. Like having you and I and having Drake and having Iowa State have good programs. That just that speaks volumes on what we're doing within internal, right? Like we have yeah. we're developing kids because when we when we came out, um. We weren't a hotbed. I mean, we had 20, 20, 31 Division One players out of my senior class, right? We had a huge Division One, And then you think of Heinrich and Collison, then Rafe before that. like, And then you had Harrison Barnes and McDermott. Like, we got to get that going. Uh, that's that's We want to be a pipeline. Like, we, like Indiana used to be this old pipeline of basketball. And I think Iowa has just the, the same capabilities of what it is because it's based around fundamentals. So I hope we can continue that path. Just think how good we would be over the years if we would have kept all those guys yeah, uh, right. in, in an Iowa uniform. And there's, you know, there's one one guy that we can blame for most of that's Roy Williams. Right. We'll send him some hate letters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Uh, but yeah, it was it was good. You know, I feel like we're finally getting control of that and uh it, you know, keeping a lot more of those guys in. But Roy, uh, he had his had the corner on the Iowa high school kids. Whenever we get a great player, he'd pull them either to Kansas and then out to North Carolina and you know, those are two programs that are tough to say no to. So yeah. I, I com, you know, completely understand that. Um, going next off of that, um, want to talk about your pro career because I don't know how many Iowa fans know how successful and long of a pro career that you had. I th- I read I think that you moved something like nineteen times. Like it was like an insane amount. Like I hope you give your wife flowers every day, man. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of moving. Um, Tell us about some of your favorite places that you played and and what are some of the most memorable accomplishments that you had uh, playing overseas? Yeah, I was a mercenary. That's for sure. Um, I I was I was uh, direct to hire. I would go. So uh, honestly, I I chose my country's playing by beer and wine. Uh, First two years in Belgium. I loved the beer and then went to Italy after that to focus on wine. Um, All right. And uh, I had a small stint in Israel, too. So I I do have to say that. And that is one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been in my life. The food's amazing. The weather's awesome. I just I hated the basketball just because it was I'm I'm a team basketball player and it was more one on one. So, yeah, it just didn't fit me. I think it's phenomenal basketball, high level basketball just didn't fit my style. And I didn't think I could be successful in that in that location very well. yeah, so uh, unique career, right? So uh, won the world's university games with the USA team um, when I was 22. Uh, and then one um, was able to participate with the Swiss national team also. Uh, so because I didn't participate as a professional um, and, and, and qualified for the Olympics, I guess it, uh, it would have been in that aspect. We didn't qualify. We, we missed the cut. But um, so I was able to kind of play for two countries. So. That's that was a kind of a cool thing. Both sides of my family were from Switzerland. I had to um, present to the government. I had to get sponsors, uh, people that would sponsor me and say, like, you know, uh, here's my citizenship. Here's the lineage. Here's everything. I spoke Italian. I, I had to present in Italian to the government. 
I didn't speak high German. I had a little bit of German in, in high school. So my grandmother spoke German. It was just a situation where I was more fluent in Italian living in there for six years. Um, so I was able to acquire that citizenship. So that was a very unique and fun. Um, so now like my, myself, my kids will all have Swiss, uh, dual, dual citizenship, um, cool. and was able to play for them for four years. Uh, and one of the, the, the funnest memories I had was we upset Russia. Um, it was myself and Clint Capella, uh, who plays for the Rockets. Um, him and I were on the same team. He was 19 at the time, hadn't been drafted yet. So it was like, I got to spend some time with him, coach him up, talk to him a little bit about like where he could go. And then the first day of practice, I threw a ball up in the air, like a shot. And it was a lob to him. And I've never seen somebody go up and get the ball and dunk it. And I'm like, I'm going to have so much fun with this. Guy. So we played Russia and uh, they had a bunch of, they had Malls, Timothy Malls golf. They had a bunch of guys that played in the NBA and Switzerland is, it, it's getting a lot better in basketball, but it wasn't, wasn't known to be a powerhouse. And uh, we had them down 22 um and uh uh it was one of those games where they clawed back and uh ended up uh hitting the three and making free throws down the stretch uh i think i scored nine in the last minute and a half to 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 win the game and we upset them and then the next day we're supposed to play italy so we were qualifying for fiba uh the world games and we're supposed to play italy like two days later and all we had to do is win one more game and we would have qualified and then the first time they ever qualified the next day, I went up for a shot um, in a non-contact practice. It was against a, a, a mock 2-3 zone, and a guy hit my arm and just snapped. Like, he hit it hard enough, it just pulled back, and it snapped everything in my shoulder. Um, so that was the end of my career on a non-contact practice. And I laugh about it because, one, I was getting close to being done anyways. But, like, of all the abuse I have had and all the hard hits I've had and given, like, that was the one that really kind of ended my career. It's just It was just mind-numbing to me. So... That was my stint with Switzerland. Um, I, like I said, I played in Belgium, played two years there. Um, the first year there was very unique for me. I, I, I was dating a girl back in, in, in Iowa and um, had never really been anywhere outside of my bubble of Iowa. Um, I get dropped off in the French part of Belgium. Nobody speaks English. And they're like, all right, see you at practice. And, they, and I could drive a stick because I grew up on a farm kid, but not very well because I hadn't driven for a long time. And it's like, all right, um, here's your car. It's a stick. Uh, nobody speaks English. You're used to going to bed at clock at basically uh, going to bed at basically like one in the afternoon of their time. Um, oh, wow. Figure that out and then we'll see a practice and you have four hour practice tonight. So I remember trying to like have eight hours of practice, getting an hour and a half of sleep, Jeez. like trying myself to sleep because I'm 23 years old in a foreign country. Nobody, I don't know anybody. None of the other Americans are there. I'm miserable. And then slowly just over the course of the time, just assimilating into the culture, loving it, and then growing to just be part of it. Right. Yeah. And then when I got to Italy, it was an entirely different story. Like uh, obviously living in Italy um, for six years, uh, speaking the language, getting to love the people, the culture, the food, um, the basketball. Um, I was able to stay and play in some high level teams in that area, just because uh, there, if you, in Europe, if you play with that tenacity and the toughness and the grit and, and diving on the floor, playing with emotion, they love you. And um, I, I pissed a lot of people off on the other teams, but then I was always like, oh, when the moment I come on their team, they're like, oh, we love you. Ah, oh, Bruno, all this different stuff. And I was like their best friend the moment I went and played for them. But then I like, so it, it was fun. So. Very, very unique career. Um, uh, got to, got to win a lot of cool things. Played a lot of played a lot of really good basketball players. Some great big events. Great big um, opportunities. Really. 
did you ever think about possibly staying in somewhere like a France and being like, I love it here. I think I'm going to stay here for good. Or did you always have plans to get back to the U S we talked about like now, like in the winter, um, I, I think like, why the hell did I ever leave the Mediterranean? Like I, I say yeah. every single year, like I, I was getting paid a lot of money. I was playing a game. Uh, I like, I took three hour naps in the afternoon. I played Xbox like, like an hour and a half, two hours a day. And like I sat and I had a coffee every morning with this old Italian guy, and we just sit there and just talk about like he'd tell me stories about the past, and like I, like, my life was not hard, and and like I hated it. Like I didn't at the end, it's like one hundred hour weeks, you're traveling all the time, you're away from everybody you love. That adds up, right? But yeah. still, it's always like the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Because now I go into a corporate life, I'm like I don't get to hit people five times in a game when I'm upset. Like in a basketball, I could hit you. I raise my hand, I'm like, guess what? I got four more of them coming too. And, mm-hmm. and in corporate, it's like, yep, I, it's just one of those unique environments, right? Like it took me a while to adjust and now I love the life of corporate too. So it's okay. just kind of, I've, I've moved on. I've, I, I'm, I'm happy to be back in Iowa. Um, I'm going to raise my kids close to my family. And, and that's what it's really about. Like I couldn't pick a better place to raise my kids, to be honest with you. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now for a career and a little bit about your family. Yeah, um, I've got three kids. Uh, I got a nine-year-old, a uh, uh, five-year-old. I have a nine and five-year-old boy, and then I have a four-year-old daughter. Um, we live in Norwalk, Iowa. We live on Echo Valley Golf Course down there. So I play a lot of golf, and you'd think I'd get better, but I'm terrible. Um, I uh, I have a high handicap, so I definitely um, uh, win a lot of the awards at the end of the thing because I my handicap is I get a lot of birdies and I get a lot of eights. So we'll just say that I hit the ball far. So. That's that's what I do a lot is just chase the kids around. Um, I work at Principal Financial. Uh, I'm in data, uh, so I'm an assistant director in data right now. I'm getting a double master's. I have my MBA. I just finished that, and I have two more classes for my master's in analytics. Um, so I've kind of given up that uh, athlete card and turned into a mathlete. Um, yeah, so honestly, it's uh, – it, I try to spend as much time with the kids chasing them around. We're getting in that phase of sports. Um, and I'm not a big, big proponent of like going out and playing all these games. I'm more of the fundamental skill stuff. So I do a lot of stuff with younger kids. I have like a preschool and kindergarten um, group that like where my kids are in that class, I bring them in and boys and girls and we do fundamentals on Saturday mornings. I think I charge, a dollar a session, maybe even 75 cents a session. Um, and that's just to pay for insurance and pay for somebody to monitor the building. Like I don't, I don't ask for anything on that. Yeah. And then we have a, a pretty good basketball team. Uh, I work with a lot of, uh, we've got about 55 kids that we work with um, across our second and third grade class, my oldest ones. And we do fundamentals with them and, and we have a couple teams within that too. Well, that's awesome. I actually, I grew up in Norwalk till about third grade. So okay. Uh, yeah, I know the area, and it's uh, it's really grown a ton. It's nothing like it was back when I was there. Yeah, it'll so. be, it's going to be really interesting when we start getting some businesses here, too. Um, I mean, it's starting to grow a lot in that capacity, too. So, What what ended up bringing you to Norwalk, of all places? Um, yeah, I was driving around Des Moines. Uh, gosh, it was 2010. We had just gotten married. My wife was pregnant. Um, I was going to be going overseas, and I said, I'm sick of Iowa City, because um, all you do is, all we do when we are there is just go out and yeah, I'm starting to play more golf and uh, looked around to see what golf courses we could live on. And it was here and it was Adele and uh, Norwalk had like five golf courses within um, like three miles of where I live. And I had all the summers off. Right. So 
we ended up, it was just one of those situations. We joined right when, uh, um, we, I mean, we, we moved over and moved on to Legacy. Um, and then now we live over at Echo. So, All right. That's, that sounds pretty awesome. Getting yeah. a lot of golf in. So that you can't. Well, last year with COVID, I played the most I've ever played. And I think I, it made me worse. So that's the way I am. The more I play, the worse I get. And I always say there's that window. I don't know how serious of a golfer you are, but somewhere like after like the third beer, and like in the third beer and then the sixth beer in between there is my hot, my sweet spot. And then before that and after that, I'm terrible. Yeah. I, there's that. Uh, yeah. My, my thresholds are maybe a little bit higher than that. Um, but it, yeah, definitely hit a plateau. And then it's, it's, it's just a straight little drop off after that. So yeah. Yeah. I, I usually do with the mixed drinks then instead of the, <laughs> instead of the beers too. So it's yeah. always, it's, it's, it makes it fun just being outside and, and, you know, getting to, socialize and have drinks um wanted to uh finish up asking you we asked uh the same thing um and he's like this is that'll never happen um so horner having pretty good coaching career and you know what i'm gonna ask you um and he gets a big job somewhere and he busts out the phone gets on like a three-way call you guys are all on the bat phone and he's like boys we're getting the band back together i need two assistants to come help me coach uh, I, I need to get the, you know, get the trio back together. What are you saying? Um, so Jeff has already given me, he already gave me an ultimatum one time. Uh, when he went down to uh, Truman State, uh, we had talked and he had wanted me to come down. And, and we we were just at a different spot in our life um, at that time, right, with three young kids. So I was still heavily in school. And I, and I just said, Jeff, I can't do it right now. And then immediately his joke was, well, when I get my big job, don't expect a call from me. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I honestly, I like, I, I'm, I'm so passionate about basketball. I'm so passionate about helping kids get better, um, and doing it the right way that if he said, which I, he never would, um, I, I would love to do that. I, I mean, we, we have very similar minds about basketball. We fight all the time about it, but we have yeah. very similar minds, like how, how to build the right program, everything. And, and what, what's that based off of, but yeah, him and I, as a, <laughs> on the same coaching staff, uh, it would be. It would be it would be it'd be interesting in a locker room. I I, I understand the whole capacity of a person or uh, the uh, superiority aspect of it. So never in front of the team, but oh, we would have some arguments and some fights in in a film session. That's for sure. When it's just him and I, if we ever coach together, but he is such a good basketball mind. He always has been, um, and uh, I I have an analytical mind thinking. So like I'm always like constantly looking at things in a thousand different directions. So I always pissed him off back in the day. Cause I'd be like, well, what about this? What about this? And he'd be like, no, it, we're doing it this way. And I'm like, fine, we'll do it that way. But what about this? And so he's, uh, he's definitely um, one of my all time favorites. And I, and I, I think he's going to have a really, really um, big and successful career because he's already, he's already proven that he can coach at Truman state, right? He's, he's helped turn that program around and, um, I, I, I wish him and his family the best and I just need him to answer a phone call. If you can get him to answer a phone call, that would be nice. Cause I can't, I went down and spent <laughs> a week with him when he was battling cancer, but I can't, uh, all of a sudden he doesn't answer any calls for me anymore. So we tried calling him too and left him a, left him a voicemail, but still, I'm still waiting by the phone, Jeff. Yeah. Never called me back either. Yeah, uh, that's... And you're way higher on the list than I am. Well, I'll just call his wife and then she'll yell at him and then he'll get mad at me even more. So that's usually what happens. So. We figured we'd just try him after basketball season. Maybe we'd have better luck then. Yeah. So, all right, Greg. Hey, man, I know you got to get back to the family, but just wanted to sincerely thank you for coming on with us at Nebraska Hawks Nest. We're 
always going to be huge Greg Bruner fans. And, you know, like you said, I hate to hear you say like, man, my name, my name doesn't mean anything anymore because <laughs> with Hawkeye fans, it'll always mean something. And we're really proud of the years you spent as a Hawkeye and the basketball team and everything that you accomplished. And, you know, th- thanks again uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to, you know, sit down and reminisce for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I appreciate it. I know I joke around about it. It's, uh, it was a, a lifetime dream. And like I told Nick Bear after he uh, graduated, and I'm going to say the same thing to Bohannon. It's, it, you get a, the fun fact, it, it really gets a lot more cool once you are done. Um, and you, you get to take a step back. While you're in it, it's hard, right? You, you're only thinking about what's going on in it. But like I watched all these guys that came up through this that, looked like me, that talked like me, that were from similar sized cities that were me. And I wanted to be that. And what they're doing now is like uh, Garza, um, uh, Murray, uh, Bohan and Frederick, all these guys are, are, are my kids now want to be them. And I don't think that that's the, that's the legacy that um, I, I love about Iowa. Cause like if you, you, when you talk to me about Iowa state, like that's what I think that they're missing is that, all these boys are growing up right now and, and girls from the women's program too. Right. I mean, let's not even talk about Kayla Clark. Right. Um, yeah. And, and uh, everything that all the people that they have there, they're looking at these, these, these young men or men and saying like, I idolize it. This is what I want to do the rest of my life. And it, and it's, that's the window and that's the path. You get a step back and uh, this is the way as the Mandalorian would say, like, that's what, that's what makes Iowa program really, 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 really unique and really cool. I had to tell you this before I let you go too, because you just made me think of the coolest story, and I'd kill, you know, kick myself if I, if I didn't tell you this. But when I got to meet Adam Woodbury one time, and I asked him, I said, "With you getting recruited by North Carolina so heavily, um, you know, you had a tough decision because he had a really close relationship with Roy Williams." And I asked him um, what it was that really made him decide to go to Iowa, and he's like, "Well, my dad asked me one time. He said." You know, think about where your heart and your emotion is. And he said that your team, your senior year is what came into his mind. And the journey that you guys had through the Big Ten tournament and then you loosened to Northwestern State. And he said he shed tears, which a lot of us did uh, after that. And he said that was when that moment hit him in his mind talking to his dad is when he was like, yeah, that's I want to be a Hawkeye because that's where my heart is. I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. And that's. I hope I like none of the kids this age know anything about me. My kids, like they, 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 they have zero idea that I even played or all that stuff. Like they don't know anything about what I did at Iowa and all that stuff. But I, my favorite thing is, is I'm outside and all I hear is I'm Luca Garza. No, no, I'm Garza. I'm, 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 I'm CJ. And I'm just like, this is what it's about. Like, I don't think people realize like, that is enough right there. That 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 feeling and, and having that inspiration and setting that like I told Nick, I said Bear, I said, Hey, your your time's here is done, but what you've done is you've you've pushed an entire generation to to be you and and that's what it's about. So that's yeah. that's cool. Um that's why I love Iowa basketball basketball and the history of it. So that's why everyone's proud to be a Hawkeye, proud to be an <laughs> Iowan. It's that Iowa pride right there. Right, right, absolutely. All right, Greg. Thanks again, man. And I uh, appreciate you taking time away from your busy schedule, like I said, to come on. And always got to end it with a go Hawks. Yep, go Hawks. Hey, and let's let this program, let's let these guys finish out the right way. Uh, I'll stand behind them. I appreciate them. All right. Yep, definitely. I think I'm looking forward to seeing what these guys can do. Thanks. All right. See you, Greg. See ya. Bye-bye.